Today on Telling the Truth, Stuart Briscoe explores what it means to let Christ renew your mind and how this empowers you to live with true wisdom and joy in today's culture. In Stuart Briscoe's insightful six-message series, Thinking Clearly in a Messed-Up World, he helps you understand how God's Spirit works to transform you and renew your thoughts no matter what's going on around you. And through your support today, you can help others experience transformation in their lives as well. We'll say thanks for your gift by sending you a copy of Thinking Clearly in a Messed-Up World. So call today to request your copy. 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. Now, here's Stuart Briscoe with today's teaching. Let me read to you Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Notice particularly in verse 2, the tremendous emphasis placed on the renewing of the mind. Notice also the emphasis placed on not allowing ourselves to be conformed to the pattern of this world. Now, as far as thinking is concerned, some people have got the idea that thinking and faith are mutually exclusive. However, if you take a little time looking into the Scripture, you will see that thinking is an integral part of spiritual life. In fact, if we don't have our minds together, Scripture teaches us that we will not have our lives together. Now, it is possible that some of you are immediately a little bit concerned, and you're saying, surely you're not going to put all the emphasis on the mind and ignore the place of emotion in life in general, and in spiritual experience particularly. No, I'm not going to do that. However, I think it is imperative that we point out how serious it is if people insist on living purely in the realm of the emotion and divorce the mind and truth from their important place in our experience. David Wells, in his book, No Place for Truth, says this, quote, Descartes argued, I think... Therefore, I am. And people after Freud have translated that into the modern vernacular by saying, I feel, therefore, I am. Modern evangelicals of the relational type seem to have added their own quirk to it by saying, I feel religiously, therefore, I am. The search for the religious self then becomes a search for religious good feelings. But as Henry Fairley argues... It is possible to feel good about oneself, even religiously, in states of total vacuity, euphoria, intoxication, and self-indulgence. And it is even possible when we are doing wrong and know what we are doing. End quote. His point, of course, is right. That it is perfectly possible for us to live in the realm of the emotions, intent on feeling good, 
and to craft certain experiences in life where we feel good by doing bad. For instance, I have no doubt in my own mind, never having been drunk, that people in a state of drunken intoxication feel good. That's why they get drunk, to get rid of the pain of their lives. I have no doubt in my own mind that many people who have an unhappy marriage get into an illicit sexual affair with somebody else who affirms them, and they feel great about it, even though it is self-destructive. There is no question about it that in my own counseling, I have not infrequently come across people who tell me that they have struggled deeply with an issue where they had to decide between doing what God says and what they want. And they have dealt deeply with it because their own desires were very powerful, but they had a profound respect for what God's word said. And in the end, they decided to give up the struggle and they said, the heck with it. And they ignored what God said, and they did what they want. And they told me that they had peace. Of course they had peace, because they'd given up on the struggle. For many people, peace is giving up on the struggle. They have achieved peace by disobeying God's word. So we have to be very, very careful if we ignore the mind and ignore truth and simply major on emotions. Let me talk to you then, first of all, about the renewing of the mind. By renewal, we mean a reshaping of mental outlook, a restoration of life's patterns to its proper place with God. So says Grant Osborne, professor at Trinity Seminary. The question, however, that comes to mind is, why is it necessary for the mind to be renewed? Romans chapter 14 verse 5 tells us that each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. This reminds us, of course, that God has gifted us with a mind with intelligence. He's given us the ability to know truth. He's given us the ability to assimilate truth, to discern it, to apply it, and to live in the good of it. If our minds, therefore, are given to us in order that we might live in tune with the truth, why is it necessary for them to be renewed? And the answer is found in Romans chapter 1. A brief summary of Romans 1, which every believer ought to be thoroughly acquainted with, says this, that there is a general revelation of God's person and being available to all people on the face of God's earth. That in creation and conscience, there is at least a limited revelation of God's person and being. However, human beings universally have rejected the degree of revelation to which they have been exposed. As a result of that, they have got into problems, not least a problem of self-identity, what it means to be a person. This is not hard to understand. If there is a God who is a creator, and we are created beings, then clearly the created will only discover its reality in relationship with the creator. If, however, we have suppressed the knowledge of the creator, how can we possibly rightly understand our self, our humanity? If I am made by God for God to be answerable to God, but I've lost God, I don't know why I was made, I don't know how I'm to live, I have no idea of the ultimate of my experience. I will have problems with my self-identity. In Ephesians chapter 4, 
Paul amplifies these thoughts even further. And he says this in verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Notice the expression, the futility of the mind. Here he is talking about the fact that when a mind becomes fallen, it also becomes futile. It will be confused as to what constitutes truth. It will be confused as to what constitutes reality. It will major on things that are fundamentally inconsequential and fail to major on things that are of profound and eternal significance. We don't need to look very far, any further than our own minds and our own hearts, to see the truthfulness of this statement. How easy it is for our minds to become absorbed by things that when all is said and done are not all that significant, and how easy it is for us to ignore the things of profound significance. So the problem is a fallen and a futile mind. That's Stuart Briscoe on Telling the Truth, inviting you to discover what happens when you let Christ renew your mind. He'll be right back with more in a moment. Your support helps Telling the Truth reach across the globe to share the love of God and message of Christ with people everywhere. So call today to request your copy of Thinking Clearly in a Messed Up World when you give to help more people experience life in Christ. 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. We now return to Stuart. The mind needs to be renewed. Now let me remind you what that means. It means a reshaping of mental outlook It means a restoration of life's patterns to a proper place with God. The renewing of the mind. Now, how is this going to take place? Well, Paul explains this also in Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 20, he says this, You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you have heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind, to be renewed in the attitude of your mind, to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. What is he saying? He is saying that the way that we come to a renewing of the mind is to come to know Christ. For if it is true that God has revealed himself in creation and conscience generally, he has also specifically revealed himself in Christ. If we want to know what God is like, the Bible says, look at Jesus Christ. If we want to know where truth is found, truth is found in Christ, who he was, what he did, what he said, what he promises, and what he commands. That is where reality is to be found. The apostle says, according to Phillips, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within. Clearly, the world squeezing us into a mold is in opposition to God remolding our lives. 
We therefore not only need to experience the renewing of the mind, we need to be experiencing what I would call the rejecting of the mold, the mold that this world would press us into. Now, what does Paul mean by this world? There are two Greek words translated world in the New Testament. One is cosmos and the other is aeon. And it is the latter that he uses here. It means literally an age or an era. So, for instance, we live in a nuclear age. We have come through the age of reason. We have survived the age of Aquarius. There are various ages that people talk about. Now, the age, the world that Paul is talking about here, is that era that began when human beings began to inhabit the earth and will continue to inhabit the earth until they die or the human race is terminated. That is the age, that is the world of which he speaks. In Galatians chapter 1 verse 4, Paul amplifies this even further and he calls it the present evil age. And he then immediately says that Christ came to deliver us from this present evil age, to whom should be glory for the ages of the ages. Now that's actually how they describe eternity in the original language. The ages of the ages. So now we see an even sharper contrast. There's this age and the age to come. Now we see it amplified as this present evil age in opposition to the ages of the ages. There is a time of time. There is a realm of eternity. The time of time is characterized by evil. It's shot through with evil. There is an age of the ages and endless ages to come characterized by eternal righteousness. The two are in marked contrast. Now he goes on to explain in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot understand and respond to the gospel. Now we see not only this age as opposed to the age to come is a present evil age but it is dominated by a God of this age. And in Ephesians chapter 2, he goes even further, and he says that the God of this age produces children characterized by disobedience, that they live their lives given over to their own sensual desires, that they are dead to God, alienated from the life of God, and come under the judgment of God. In other words, this world is not a pretty scene. Now this will go quite dramatically in the teeth of what many people think. Many people think that this world in which they live is so fantastic for the simple reason they think that's all there is. The Bible, however, has a totally different view. It says that this age, this world in which we live, is temporal and is temporary and is fundamentally material, and the age to come is spiritual and eternal, and that we live in the now in the light of the then. If we are molded, however, by this basic age in which we live, shot through with evil, under the control of the God of this age, alienated from the life of God, then clearly our lives are not going to be full. If we live our lives, however, in the light of the age to come, 
where Christ reigns, where his inevitable eternal kingdom will be established, that will impinge on all aspects of our life now, and we will live in fullness of life. Therefore, we need to ask ourselves another question. Not only has my mind been renewed, but has my mind been renewed about the world I live in? Am I simply enamored of this world and this age? Am I simply a part of it? Is my life circumscribed by this world and this age? Is this all there is to life? Or am I a creature of eternity? Am I a member of the kingdom of God? Am I a disciple of Jesus Christ temporarily residing in this present evil world? The renewed mind understands the messed up world. The question, of course, is how do I have my mind renewed concerning this present evil age so much that I can resist what it will do to me? How can I ensure that I am not simply pressed into the mold of this present evil age? As somebody has pointed out, we can put men on the moon and get him back again, but we can't let him get him to live properly once he's back. We are brilliant technologically. We can do incredible things medically and physically. We can debate endlessly philosophically, but we do nothing to change the fundamental problems of the heart of man. The wisdom of this age, therefore, should be treated by the renewed mind with a marked degree of skepticism. We should accept the fact that all truth is God's truth, but we put all that purports to be truth through the filter of what God says, and we determine where the truth is to be found. The renewed mind is skeptical about much wisdom of this age. Secondly, the renewed mind has a deep distrust of the riches of this present age. Writing to Timothy... In chapter 6 of the first letter, Paul said this, Timothy, warn a lot of the people who have got many of the riches of this present age not to put their trust in them, but to put their trust in the living God who gives us all things richly to enjoy. Now, if God gives us all things richly to enjoy, there's nothing wrong with having the things that God has given us richly to enjoy. What is wrong is when we put our trust in the things that he has given rather than putting our trust in the giver of the given things. If we are trusting this age's riches to give us fullness of life, we're wrong. There's no question about it that having plenty of riches as opposed to wallowing in poverty can make life considerably easier. You can get better help all over the place if you can pay for it. You can have better resources to deal with the vicissitudes of life if you can pay for them as opposed to not being able to pay for them. However, if we feel that the riches of this present age are going to give us reality in life, simply look at Hollywood and we'll find people who have more money than they know what to do with with incredibly shriveled, empty lives. By the same token, we will go into poverty-stricken areas around this world and find people who have less than nothing whose lives are incredibly rich and full. So how do we resist 
through the renewed mind being pressed into the mold of the present evil age? And the answer is, by developing a skepticism for much of what passes as the wisdom of this age and making sure we have a deep distrust for the riches of this present age as being the answer to our problems. If we begin to develop this kind of mindset, then the question is, how do we retain it? And the answer is found in the end of Romans chapter 12, verse 2. What it means is this, with the renewed mind, my mindset now is not to do what I want with my life. My mindset now is to discover God's will and to pursue it relentlessly and discover in it that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And relentlessly, I commit myself to opening my mind up to what God has to say concerning the truth as it is in Christ. I put everything else through the filter of what Christ says, and I say that He is the truth, and that which contravenes Him and contradicts Him is untrue. That my allegiance is to Him and to what He says, and I will gladly, assiduously, carefully, earnestly study all that is going on in my world in order that with a renewed mind I might live wisely and well. I submit to you that one of the great needs in our culture at the present time is not for more people who are simply shaped by the culture. The great need today is for men and women who are shaped by Christ who can live in the midst of the culture and show what truth and reality and fullness of life are all about. And the mind plays a critical role in that. With that in mind, let me give you points to ponder. And they're very simple. Number one, what do I need to do as far as renewal in my mind is concerned? What is it that I need to do as far as rejecting some things are concerned? What do I need to factor into my life to retain the things that need to be retained in my life? are you to process the unnerving events happening all around you in today's world? Does the Bible offer you any hope, help, or guidance? The answer, of course, is yes. Discover how God's Spirit works in you to transform you and renew your thoughts no matter what's going on around you with Stuart Briscoe's powerful six-message series, Thinking Clearly in a Messed-Up World. Drawing from Romans 12, Stuart discusses how you can respond with wisdom and courage in today's most distressing circumstances. You'll discover how the Spirit of God is ever faithful, giving you the grace to think clearly in a messed up world. We'll send you this series as thanks for your gift of support to help more people experience life through the resources and teachings of telling the truth. Generous friends like you, keep broadcasts like today's going, often reaching places where the gospel hasn't yet made inroads. So if you've never given before, Please consider a gift today to help keep God's Word going out around the world. And remember to request your copy of Thinking Clearly in a Messed Up World when you call and give. 1-800-889-5388. 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online when you visit tellingthetruth.org. We're so glad you've listened today. Come back next time for more biblical wisdom and experience life right here on Telling the Truth.